This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Uh, I am so glad to be here today. Um, I, I wanted, I, I, I think I want, I would like, I would like, I know I would, I would like to start um, uh, telling you about uh, a koan, the Ginjo koan, that has always been really important to me. And um, I think of it today for a few reasons. I, I think of it often, actually, but I think of it today for a few reasons. Um, I, 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 I always um, loved the poetry of it. I think that's what I really loved about it. Um, Valen and I would take it, um, we, we printed out a copy each, and when we go for backpacks in the mountains, that's how I got to, to know Valen really well. Uh, he lived with us at the Zendo in Santa Cruz also. But we would go off into, after meditating together, uh, staring out over this beautiful, you know, uh, just remember the over a beautiful uh, a creek, which would be called a river anywhere else, probably in Cal Southern California. Um, we would meditate looking out there and then we would each go off to our own little place uh, that we felt good. Uh, just really, really near each other, but, uh, but but it was like a little nest that we'd go to. And it, it could be a different time every day. Um, but that, I remember reading the Genjo Cohen there, uh, whatever that place was, uh, in many places in that spot. And I pondered the part about all things coming forward and practicing and confirming the self. Uh, or, or, um, or the self going forward and practicing and confirming all things. Um, that's what I as associate the Ginjo Cohen with. And um, I had my own interpretations of it then um, that, that passage. Uh, but I didn't know what it meant at all. I didn't know at all what it meant. Uh, I came to think that it was, um, it was like, in other words, it was a, a, maybe a not a good thing to go forward among all things. I related uh, and instead let all things come forward and confirm me uh, but that's that's not no I don't yeah confirm themselves <laughs> through me I don't I don't think either of those is correct so I'm not even going to try to explain but I have a feeling about it and um, I was in the wilderness right I uh, I wanted to be the one in the wilderness and I was having this experience 
later, Balin and I, we each had that kind of thing. Uh, and we'd call it, we'd make fun of it, calling it, calling it uh, did you have a wilderness X, you know, for experience? And uh, we still do that sometimes. Um, and I always used to think of it just happening in nature, you know, and uh, it was something you could only experience in nature, pure purity and all that. It's, uh, it's a new Zen student's uh, point of view. Uh, it's got to be something really beautiful. And, and you know, the, the, a lot of us uh, prefer that, or we prefer beauty. Most of us do, and, and as in teachers too, uh, you know, way back, Dogen wrote about many beautiful places and things, all of the Zen masters did, and certainly Coven did, and Angie does. So uh, coming from a good lineage, I could say. But the other part of it is uh, I haven't really been able to go very far, like the rest of you probably, uh, in the last over a year. Uh, I'm hoping to travel <clears throat> soon, uh, in July, but um, also like most of you, I um, walked around the neighborhood a lot. I hope you were able to walk around a neighborhood uh, that <clears throat> you enjoyed, uh, or, or in the mountains if you were there, if you got a chance to go up there in the mountains. We walked by the beach too, uh, trails along the beach and trails up rivers. We did that too. Uh, <clears throat> where there, we walked where there were very few people. On the beach, um, people were wearing masks. Most of them were wearing masks at first. Uh, it got so, when more people were vaccinated, then there are few people wearing masks. Uh, the surfers didn't wear masks, <laughs> of course, but it was wonderful to be outside and uh, the difference in the, in the quality of the air and the, the different smells and what we heard. It was fun to watch uh, the dogs on Dog Beach and, and, and their people and the dogs were having such a great time and uh, running and making friends with each other. And I didn't see any fights there, any dog fights or people fights. Um, everyone was having a wonderful time. It's, it's really near our house. It's, it's about, we drive there, but it's about five miles away, you know. But you can't really walk there from our house because there are all those streets and freeways. <laughs> um, so what I learned walking there, uh, walking on the beach and walking on, uh, walking around the neighborhood especially was that I was saying hello to people and or acknowledging them, you know, nodding through my mask and uh, just taking in. <laughs> taking in their presence. And, and it was all part of, of my experience and my enjoyment. I always say hi to neighbors that I've never met. Uh, and then we get to know each other again and you know we nod or they say hello to me. 
Uh, and that's it. And that's um, that's been my contact uh, in real life. Uh, I have Bill in here all the time, and I'm so grateful for that. It's been wonderful being together. I feel lucky. I, I am lucky. I also made friends with a, a pig. It was sort of a piglet, and it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, its name was Hamlet. And um, it, that pig was around for quite a while. People would see him walking around the block with a with a with a leash and a person. Uh, I never saw that, but I always stopped and talked to Hamlet. And you know, you know, pigs are quite intelligent. <laughs> And so, and I'm not all that intelligent, I guess, but I enjoyed having conversations with Hamlet. And it was mostly about him, uh, <laughs> how cute he was and how sweet. And he really was a pig. Uh, one day <clears throat> I went by and um, the, the neighbors that, that take care of Hamlet had a, a sign on their pens saying, please deliver um, <clears throat> packages onto the table right inside the fence. Well, I don't know. Uh, either they made a mistake, but more likely Hamlet had dragged this package down. It was his feed. I would think it would have been his feed for at least a couple weeks, you know, or a month. But he ate other things too, of course. But I walked by and he was really pigging it out. He was thinking it out. He'd eaten through the bottom of the bag and he was just snuffing and snorting and hogging out. <laughs> and um, and, and a, a while after that, a few months after that, uh, he was gone. And I worried about him. I worried about what happened to him. He was nice and fat. Uh, Maybe, you know, maybe they took him, maybe they moved out, uh, and they did move out, I think, the people that were there, and took him to another place. That's, that's what I hope, but there's the other side, too. I'm so glad to be here. I'll say that again, just, just seeing all of you and being able to talk with you. So there were also two tortoises called Pookie and Pokey, and I'm afraid that I talked baby talk to them. And they were quite old, of course. Um, so this is something I just have a quote of um, from Dogen. When we are fully alive, it is impossible to see ourselves. That we exist only as observers is pitiful. So I think we don't exist only as observers most of the time. I, I feel like, I mean, we do and we don't. If we're talking about Zazen, um, and um, he thought it was pitiful in Zazen um, 
only being an observer. I believe he was mostly talking about. Uh, and it is hard to see ourselves and as we are, it's hard to be ourselves as we are. Um, it's good to be ourselves uh, in sitting and, and all the time. But if we're talking about true self, um, we just have to hope that we're, we are being that. Uh, we can't see that. So a big source, one of my greatest sources of joy besides, you know, the neighbors, let's put Balad first, uh, <laughs> the, uh, and, uh, and maybe then Hamlet and, and Pookie and Pookie and all the little children in the neighborhood riding around on their little um, scooters. Tiny children, especially, are very sweet, but all of them are, and they're glad to say hello and be acknowledged. Um, but if it also be, besides that and uh, separate from that, and is um, the um, poem a day? I don't know if any of you subscribe to that, but that that comes every day, <laughs> and. Uh, they have different people curate it and pick out poets. And um, I've enjoyed that so much. In the last several months, it has been uh, early on in, in this kind of terrible year. Um, it there have been Black poets. Uh, their poems have been presented and uh, it's of course increased. The diversity is still going on and well it, they're just beautiful poems and uh, I just chose the ones that I could get at uh, most easily uh, but they were from I think um, well, the last one I got was this morning, and it's, uh, it, it's today's poem, so it's my favorite of all. Um, but I think, I'll, I think I decided to save that for the end. I've gone also to online readings of poets. Um, <clears throat> the last one I went to was as S period H period E, she, and uh, I didn't write out down what else about it, but um, um, it was um, all women poets and they had appeared, um, well, very well-known poets, most of them. They had appeared um, as part of a, a fundraiser for this organization that <clears throat> uh, has, um, has its own place in Kenya. And of course they, they don't, the organizers were apparently not in Kenya at the time, but they had films of uh, women in Kenya whom they helped. Uh, they had, and they tried to help uh, women who were, many of them um, 
suffered from uh, mutilation as women when they were very, very young. Um, and also um, one of the women who spoke uh, in a video talked about having to go to, she, they didn't allow girls to go to school. So she had to go through the jungle from a very young age, probably like six, on her own to get to a school and then come back. She saw several times, she saw lions and tigers in the jungle where she was, what she was walking through. Um, I know, I've heard um, a lot of people, kids in this country have a very hard time getting to school. It can be dangerous. They can walk very great distances and they might go to schools that don't welcome them. <laughs> anyway, this fund was to, um, the specific fund the other day, the reading I went to, was to help send these girls who they've now been educating to college. And uh, they're very grateful, of course. And we're very grateful, I think, the people who attended just to, just to be there and learn something from them. So uh, this, this poem I'm going to read is uh, from one of the readers I really liked uh, at that reading. And um, this isn't the poem she read, but this is the poem I decided to read. Is my voice loud enough? I know I'm getting kind of hoarse. Is it okay? <clears throat> Good. Nothing wants to suffer, not the wind as it scrapes itself against the cliff, not the cliff being eaten slowly by the sea. The earth does not want to suffer the rough tread of those who do not notice it. The trees do not want to suffer the axe, nor see their sisters felled by root rot, mildew, and rust. The coyote in its den, the puma stalking its prey, they too one, ease and a tender animal in the mouth. Take their hunger, an offering one hopes made quickly and without much suffering. The chair mourns an angry sitter, the lamp, the scalded moth, the table, the weight of years of argument. We know this, though we forget. Not the shark, nor the tiger, fanged as they are. Not the worm, content in its windowless world of soil and stone. Not the stone, resting in its riverbed. The riverbed, gazing up at the stars. Least of all, the stars, ensconced in their canopy, looking down at all of us, their offspring scattered so far out of reach. 
she was inspired uh, for that poem, she says, um, by uh, Linda, by Linda Hogan, uh, a line, uh, first line of one of Linda Hogan's poems. I also have one of Linda Hogan's poems to read later. She said, I felt suddenly when she read that poem of Linda Hogan, I, I felt suddenly alert to tenderness to how carefully and inextricably we're bound to everything and to how stories bind us. May we listen to the world and all it has to say. This is another poem by uh, Naomi Shihab Nye. Uh, she was born in Missouri of a, a American mother and a um, Palestinian father. She lived there uh, in Missouri for quite a while. And she also, uh, after spending time in um, high school in, in Ramallah, uh, in, in Ramallah in Palestine, and then in San Antonio, Texas, um, she received her BA in English from uh, Trinity College, well, English and World Religions from Trinity College in San Antonio. I don't know whether I should read the stuff about them before or after. What do you think? Usually poets say something before they read. So, um, so maybe I'll read part before and part after. Anyway. <laughs> um, Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows. And you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and send you out into the day to gaze at bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for. 
and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. <laughs> I'm wondering if I should pause now or... Um, I think I could read this. I guess I substituted, I was going to read uh, one poem by uh, Linda Hogan, but I, I guess I took it out and now I have the one that I sent to Doug to read in case my sound cut off. <laughs> it seems okay so far, so I will read it. <clears throat> Doug, would you like to read it? Did you bring it? Where are you, Doug? Uh, I did not bring it, uh, but I did read it. Okay, good. I'll read it. Okay. I wish you could read it. <laughs> I was getting so. This is it's called the map. It's called map, actually. This is the world, so vast and lonely, without end, with mountains named for men who brought hunger from other lands and fear of a thick, dark forest of trees that held each other up, knowing fire dreamed of swallowing them, and spoke an older tongue, and the tongue of the nation of wolves was wild around them. Sorry. And the tongue of the nation of wolves was the wind around them. Even ice was not silence. It cried its broken self back to warmth, but they called it ice, wolf, forest of sticks, as if words would make it something they could hold in gloved hands, open, plot away, and follow. This is the map of the forsaken world. This is the world without end, where forests have been cut away from their trees. These are the lines wolf could not pass over. This is what I know from science, that a grain of dust dwells at the center of every flake of snow, that ice can have its way with land, that wolves live inside a circle of their own beginning. This is what I know from blood. The first language is not our own. There are names each thing has for itself, and beneath us, the other order already moves. It is burning. It is dreaming. It is waking up. I also sent that to Mike because I, uh, my main reason for sending that to Mike actually was uh, something he wrote to me uh, in an email about uh, a very short res email response about the place where he had been uh, when he didn't, he wasn't able to come to a, a committee talk. <laughs> it sounded good. <laughs> this is what Linda Hogan says about the talk. <laughs> this, did I read it first or not? I forget. No, okay. This poem addresses the alive, sentient world and all its creation. It is about the arrival of the new people on this continent that came from their own failed worlds and saw this one as well through their Western philosophical lens. 
which failed in other places. Nonetheless, nevertheless, our older understanding of this world and indigenous knowledge have remained. They have been re-acknowledged and have the brilliant intelligent, intelligence of what is called now nature. She's associated with the Cree tribe. I, I was lucky to take a workshop with her, a poetry workshop uh, in uh, Utah, Southern Utah. That was years ago. I haven't seen her since. Read her poems. Um, I'm just thinking of what would be the uh, the most uh, helpful way um, for our discussion. Uh, I, I imagine you'll want to say something about the poems. Um, I was wondering if it would uh, be helpful to pause here, not not because of my voice, which is one thing, but but I'm going okay. Uh, but just so you might remember some of the poems and have something to say about them. I don't think I'll be able to read them twice, <laughs> but. Anyone? Yeah, Kathy. Hi, Paula. Um, I, actually, what I took away from your talk was your description of your practice with Balin and of your practice with yourself and with nature it was so beautiful. And it was inspiring, actually, because I don't think I've been practicing that way in nature for the last year. And um, I, I think that description was poetry as well. Oh, <laughs> <Because> well, <laughs> I'm a poet and I don't know it, although I <laughs> am a poet. <laughs> yeah, and, um, so it was, just, it was just beautiful to think about on a daily basis, going outside and greeting my neighbors and greeting the trees and the rocks and the pigs and everything. And um, how beautiful that all is. Thank you very much, I appreciate it. Thank you, I appreciate speaking with you, Kathy. <laughs> My distant friends, they're so distant. Somebody asked a question. Jackie, what question did you ask? It popped up and, oh, oh look, wait, there's two questions or comments, just a minute. Get you around with my. Oh, one was um, uh, just uh, I didn't uh, the 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 poem about nothing wants to suffer is by Danusha Lamaris, and I just wanted to share that in case somebody wanted to look at it later. And then I wondered what was the title of the Naomi Shihab Nye poem. Uh, did you want to check what the title of Danusha's poem was first? Oh, uh, sure. Or yeah, it's uh, nothing wants to suffer. Okay. And you yeah. could look under poem a day. It's well, kind of hard to find the. It comes up. Yeah. As yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great. She, the poem she read in that reading, um, 
that I went to was a different poem, and it was also very wonderful. It was a poem about her now expecting kindness of people and how she appreciates it, the kindness of the waiter that served her and so on. Yeah. Yeah, this, this was a great poem, Nothing Wants to Suffer. It's just... Yeah. Really well, it helps. It published April 9th, 2021. Oh. And... Um, you wanted to know the name of Naomi Shiavnai? Yes, Paul? please. Okay, it was called Kindness. Kindness. I don't have down when it was published, but it was published during the pandemic. I know that. Mm. While, while I'm not muted, perhaps I can mention um, about the pig, I loved you talking about the pig, and um, this is not really tightly related to Buddhism, but there's a wonderful <laughs> book, Once Upon a River, huh. Once Upon a River uh, by Diane Setterfield. I can put it in the chat, and it, it is wonderful about pigs, and it's, it's a beautiful book, and it's a novel, and um, I just thought you might like to read it. Anyone I would. Might yeah. to read it. It's really a nice book. Um, and one, the other thing I made in a note was we prefer beauty. And um, that can be trouble. That can be a, a problematic idea mm -hmm. because, um, for example, people who know me will know that I um, cherish uh, evolved nature and removal of invasive plants that um, get in the way of, of the natural expression in a particular location. And it's particularly difficult to remove an invasive plant, which we see as beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's pretty easy if we think it's ugly. It's not that hard at all. Oh, that ugly south thistle. And yet, yeah. an ugly south thistle, if you look at it closely, is also has a lot of beauty in it yeah. i mean you can go to the microscopic level if you like and you'll see beauty um so it was just i was just uh, what you said made me think about beauty and our relationship to beauty and how it can be helpful and how sometimes it can be a, a human distortion on what is exactly i think in dogen that is you know that was on a comment also um on the way we are in general, we we see things with our own kind of blinders on uh, sometimes. <laughs> what, a, uh, what did Coben call it? A board-carrying fellow. In Japan, they called them board-carrying fellows that they were carrying, you know, they're walking along holding a big board on either side. And I, I imagine this was in real life at one time uh, and they don't see <laughs> except what they see with their eyes forward. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for mentioning uh, uh, these things and, uh, and, and thank you I, I, for putting these on uh, Leslie, I think, right? Jackie. Uh, Jackie, yeah, but then there was, okay. Are you the same one that, Never mind. Whatever you think we'll like, uh, you know, uh, a title of a book or, or a poem on, you know, maybe 
put it on chat, but let's not be opening chat at this time. Uh, that, yeah, but we'll see what the surprise is. Okay. And if you ask me for something, I will uh, write it down too, if, if thinking every other people want to know. So where were we? Do you remember any of the other poems by now? <laughs> yeah, Kave. Uh, well, I love Nomi. She had a nice poem about kindness and sadness. And uh, also, for some reason, uh, John Lennon's line about living is easy with your eyes closed, misunderstanding is all you see. Which, oh, great. Which later you refer to as this boards. Yeah, right. Mr. Jackie's comment. Uh, but what I wanted to say is, um, it's kind of hard to say, but I mean, if I can express it accurately, but uh, that passage, that famous passage from Dogen in Genjo Kwon about delusion and enlightenment, which you referred to. And then you so beautifully, you said, looked at his poetry, but so unpretentiously, touchingly exhibited it with your neighborhood walk and dogs mm. on the beach and everything. I think I understood it in a different, whole different way today, mm. thanks to you and through nature. Well, well, thanks to what you have said about it, I understand again in a different way too. I knew it was somehow related. I can't always make the exact logical connections that I, that I would wish to. Well, somehow you did for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, we have that going. <laughs> you see things uh, a lot from uh, poetry, I mean, from songs, song lyrics that you have uh, shared. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Dogen would not be happy, but. Oh, Dogen would be glad. What do we know? Shall I go on uh, to a few more poems? Is that okay with everybody? Yes. Okay. Uh, this one, I think uh, that if I were introducing this poet, I would read what he had said about himself. Um, but it actually was said about his, uh, he didn't say it. Uh, it was said as sort of a lead into the poem, just that uh, he was born in uh, Palestine in a Muslim family. And in 1948, uh, his whole uh, village was destroyed uh, with the uh, colonization by Israel, I think that was the word used. And so his family fled, but uh, a year later they um, were, uh, secretly re-entered and lived there for um, quite a while um, until I guess he, um, he became an activist and uh, helped on a, a newspaper uh, proclaiming their views of the about the oppression of the Palestinians in that sense. And he also 
he also, but the other reason, maybe the main reason for his arrest was reading his poetry in public. So it would be a very hard place to live. He spent most of his life, other than that, he spent the rest of his life in exile. He lived in Cairo for a while and Paris and um, no, Cairo, Beirut and Paris. And then settled later on in um, Ramallah on the West Bank. He died in 2008. Okay, I should have said that at the end. <laughs> I belong there. I have many memories. I was born as everyone is born. I have a mother, a house with many windows, brothers, friends, and a prison cell with a chilly window. I have a wave snatched by seagulls, a panorama of my own. I have a saturated meadow. In the deep horizon of my word, I have a moon, a bird's sustenance, and an immortal olive tree. I have lived on the land long before swords turned man into prey. I belong there. When heaven mourns for her mother, I return heaven to her mother. And I cry so that a returning cloud might carry my tears. To break the rules, I have learned all the words needed for a trial by blood. I have learned and dismantled all the words in order to draw from them a single word, home. This is from a, a poet who lives in the Bronx. And uh, so Kuntari's Bay, um, something like that. She wrote it for Saria. I wander in her forest, hearing ankle bells jingle with each step, the universe at her feet and hands. I want to touch her. She flies in my house in paintings with petals of orange blossom raining from the ceiling. With her boss relief tattooed on my skin, I worry I've offended the deity. In my dreams, I cry out to her. I am still learning as I copy myself and her image. So she who abides in the sea of milk, I try to churn my own from motherhood. I hope it worthy an offering for this nymph of clouds and sky. She tells the story of writing the poem. Uh, she had lost the desire for a while, um, as happens for some time. And uh, she was sitting next to her uh, daughter on the on the porch, and uh, her daughter was taking a virtual English class in which they had to write a poem. Uh, the exercise was "I am," and she just decided to sit down right next to her daughter with her notebook and write a poem too. So that was how the poem came about. It's nice to imagine. Or sitting there with a daughter writing. Uh, 
Um, we're at 1230 right now. And, uh -huh. um, Is that the end? No, it, it's not the end. It's, uh, um, <laughs> I think we're going to have lunch here at one o'clock. Oh, okay. Plenty of time. I, want, I do want people to be able to talk more. Well, I'll skip one, the one also, other one I had by Linda Hogan simply because I have uh, a couple other ones to read and I would like to have time for a talk. And if later you say, well, go ahead and read it, I will. This thing is called A Dark Thing Inside the Day by Linda Gregg. So many want to be lifted by song and dancing, and this morning it is easy to understand. I write in the sound of chirping birds hidden in the almond trees, the almonds still green and thriving in the foliage. Up the street, a man is hammering to make a new house as doves continue in their cooing forever. Bees humming and high above that, a brilliant clear sky. The roses are blooming and I smell the sweetness. Everything is desirable is here in abundance and the sea. The dark thing is hardly visible in the leaves under the sh under <laughs> starting not to be able to read very well. In the leaves under the sheen. We sleep easily, so I bring no sad stories to warn the heart. All the flowers are adult this year. The good world gives and the white doves praise all of it. Uh, this thing I did not find on Poem A Day, but my dear friend, Barbara, who is, is, is here still, I believe, I just can't see her on the screen right now. Uh, you know, I was, she's a wonderful poet, and I was talking to her about uh, my, my project of what to read, and I did mention wanting to find a poem by Linda Gregg, and this seemed the right one. So this is the last poem I'm going to read. It's it's a poem based on a poem, based on a poem. <clears throat> In other words, there were several translations of um, Isa's um, The Spring of My Life. And he named at the end the different ones. His name is Dobby Gibson, the poet. After reading Kobayashi, 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 he says, a spring of my life on my 49th birthday. Okay. On a dull December day, it's never noon. More briefly, so what a relief to look around and realize our lives in the long run won't last long. I feel like the nail holding up someone else's painting. My thoughts are the loose thing in the dishwasher only I can hear. 
When I say snow, what will become of this world? It says, I was not taught future tense. Through the window after the heavy storm, I can follow mysterious paw prints to the spot along the fence where in summer, the neighbors like to whisper. They've taken their secrets inside. It's left a silence so complete, so free of ambition. It feels possible to know forgiveness, which hammered thinner than memory, carries a brighter light. So he mentions the poet, he mentions his debt to Isa and Miloš's poem written after Isa, who wrote his high boon after Bachelos, which is to say that poems like birthdays are intensely serial. I'll never know all the voices speaking through me. Okay, <laughs> take a little just silent break for a moment and then I'll read the poem I, I printed out this morning when I clicked on my email on poem a day. The Blue Green Stream by Wang Wei, um, translated uh, from the uh, Chinese from Florence Eiskopf and, and Amy Lowell, who I suspect had a lot to do with um, the, the way it was uh, written in English. Every time I have started for the Yellow Flower River, I have gone down the Blue Green Stream. Following the hills, making 10,000 turnings, we go along rapidly, but advance scarcely 100 leagues. We are in the midst of a noise of water, of the confused and mingled sounds of water broken by stones, and in the deep darkness of pine trees, rocked, rocked, moving on and on. We float past water chestnuts into a still clearness, reflecting reeds and rushes. My heart is clean and white as silk. It has already achieved peace. It is smooth as the Placid River. I love to stay here, curled on the rocks, dropping my fish line forever. That's not something I'm going to try to even try to make the comment on. I think it's, it's there. <laughs> So as Angie says, that's what I brought. Comments, anecdotes. Hi, Peter, you haven't said a word. Hi, Paula, and I've been muted, talking to myself maybe. Oh, that's you, right, Pete. you were muted, but you didn't, anyway, hi. Huh. What have you been saying? To yourself, yeah. I mean. Uh, it's a, a treat to come to uh, a Dharma talk that's uh, so full of poetry, uh, that's based on poetry. And um, it was good initially to hear about you and Balin. Uh, it's been decades since I walked with the two of you in your neighborhood. 
And I, I don't know if I, I can force him, but I can get him to come up here and say hi to you. Come on, Bill. Come on, if you want. That's the way uh, he is. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember the pig back then. Maybe it wasn't there. It was a long time ago. Oh, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember you coming. Thank you for greeting me. Um, I'll have to wait and see Balin some other time. Yes. Hi, Randy. Hi, Paula. Um, I kind of ha have a question. It, 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 can you hear me okay? Yes. I was I reverberating can. here myself, but it, there seemed to be a, a, I don't know if it was a theme or a, something that, that caught my, caught me more than anything is the word kindness. And that seemed to be kind of a, a, a theme through that. And and, and then I kind of related to, well, kindness to ourselves and kindness to the outside world. And I guess my question is um, to you as a, a Zen teacher, how would you suggest beyond sitting on the cushion ways of nurturing kindness and, and seeing the world and seeing ourselves in a kind of new ways. I mean, that's what poetry does in a way. I, I live with one. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Not me. I live with one. <laughs> so, so. She's shut up in her room writing, right? Or he. <laughs> uh, no, she's on, she's on a, she's on a Zoom thing. She, she's uh, taken on the Zoom world to uh, further her education, uh, which has been intense since retiring, you know, into, yeah. into this whole new uh, realm that she did, but now she has a lot more time to do so. But anyway, yeah, the, the kindness. So, uh, I mean, you're, you're talking to the pig really caught me. Uh, <laughs> I have a chicken that comes over to my yard once in a while. And <laughs> well, we, have a, we have a relationship so and yeah, i worry about good. he's going to be chicken soup one of these days yeah. for the neighbors but but yeah. i don't know you know so yeah but anyway kindness do you have any anything i don't know well you talked about nurturing kindness and another way to think of it is getting out of the way of kindness i mean getting out of the way of unkindness in oneself uh and um being open to kindness from other people. Um, it, and I, I, I you, you, you said, well, as a Zen teacher, well, you know, <laughs> um, I'm also uh, not always kind, <laughs> for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, the, these things that they that we we uh, discover in ourselves uh, that Dogen uh, wanted us to discover in 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 studying ourselves are things we need to know about ourselves, and uh, knowing uh, about ourselves helps us go forward and and relate to other people. I would think with kindness, but if strictness is necessary, that. Also that, I would say. Yeah. Okay. And it's not just people, you know, it's not just flowers, it's not just weeds. 
but either one we're supposed to uh, we in our practice we should welcome because it's suffering not to as <laughs> you notice it's suffering to cut things out and cut things off and as our bodhisattva vow which we will be doing pretty soon taking pretty soon Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jokoji, please visit us on the web at jokoji.org.